Hello, Save Them family. Landon here. Welcome to this episode of the Save Them podcast. And uh, today we are going to address the issue of pessimism about the church. And we're going to talk about what it means to actually do stuff and what that looks like in the real world. So, one of the things that I'm confronted with regularly is a, kind of a, um, a rem, rampant pessimism that exists within the church about the church. And it's a... It's something that seems to squash the the joy, you know, um, that we are called to live live with as believers in Christ. And when we don't exhibit that joy uh, to the world because we're we're so busy being negative about the Lord's body, um. I don't know what what foot we're putting forward to the world. So, yes, the body of Christ is not perfect because it's made up of us, and we're a hot mess. <laughs> but you know what? The Lord's body, as He made His sacrifice on Calvary, was pretty broken and bloodied and yet the sacrifice was holy and it was pleasing to the Lord and we were reunited with with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and able to be in union with them and you know Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one So, I just say that to say that it's easy to get discouraged about the fallenness of humanity, but uh, on a daily basis, I do think it's important to remember who the heck we are. Like, really, seriously. You know, if if we're going to spend all of our time stewing in the the muck and the mire and just looking at how horrible the fallen humanity is well what's the point of that and what do we expect the church to be why why do we seem to think that the church should somehow be some sort of i don't know imperceptibly amazingly supernaturally <laughs> i i, I perfect environment what's the point I thought I thought the church was about telling the good news to sinners so that they would turn to the glory of God for eternal salvation I where's where's the perfection in all that what it seems like the messiness is the precondition you know understanding our mess is the precondition to repentance Otherwise, we just kind of see ourselves as gods and full of goodness. And at that point, then we're just new agers 
chasing false gods. That that doesn't help anything. You know, this thing of you know, pursuing the higher vibrations and avoiding the lower vibrations because those are not godly. <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, whatever, dude. I mean, I understand there's maybe some science behind how uh, stuff vibrates, but um, we're not going to pursue the godly vibrations. I'm at the higher level. I'm, at, uh, I'm, at, I'm pursuing the ascended masters. I mean, come on. Like, what is that crap? You know, that. so let's review. Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself for his enemies, died for them while in their trespasses. That means that they were dead. They were walking in their sins. They were slave to sin. They were the walking dead. And yet, he died for us so that we may be unified, reunited with God. Now, how can that happen? Only by being being made pure and holy and only through the blood of Christ can that even possibly happen. I mean, seriously. I, I said a curse word, you know, stubbing my toe this morning, I, you know, and then cursed again when I couldn't decide which cereal to eat. Ah! I mean, come on. I'm going to hell, if that's the case. Well, but for the grace of God. And thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, stubbing my toe and um, being frustrated over cereal choices isn't going to, you know, damn me to eternal torment. And, uh, oh, by the way, just because the Jehovah's Witnesses say that there's no such thing as hell and eternal torment doesn't make them right. Just in case y'all are wondering, I don't know how much you know about cults and Jehovah Wit- Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., but they're making stuff up. Just because somebody makes stuff up doesn't make it right. And just because they write it in a book doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it true. There's only one truth, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Okay, so, all that being said, on a day-to-day basis... We're confronted with the fallenness of man. Well, that also translates into the fallenness of messy investigations. The fallenness of failed safe houses because the staff burn out. That translates into runaway victims who, you know, everybody would think would be oh so happy to be out of a human trafficking environment. And yet they turn around and run straight back to it. For whatever reason, you know, everybody has their own reason. Sometimes they're scared because they were threatened. Sometimes they're addicted and they need to get, you know, another, whatever the thing is. It doesn't really matter. Um, but just because we want to project our perfect solutions onto somebody doesn't mean that it fits their reality. Because here's the deal. Unless you're reborn in Jesus Christ, you don't, the veil is not going to fall from your eyes. You're, you're not going to see the truth of your existence. You're not going to crave a relationship with God. It's, it's, you're just going to be navel-gazing and consumed with your own flesh. So we are told we are dead in our trespasses. We are walking dead. We are a slave to sin. What does that mean? That means that sin is our master. Sin commands us. We don't even have a choice. 
Think about that. We don't even have a choice not to sin. Hmm, that's pretty crazy. Does that make sense? Can I choose to not sin if I don't know the Lord? Well, what's your definition of sin? If your definition of sin is, you know, I don't know, um, throwing cats in a bag and drowning them in a river, okay, yeah, you can choose to not do that um, without knowing God. Does that mean that you're not choosing to sin? Well, let's again revisit the definition of sin. If sin is just those things, well, whatever. You know, I can choose to not eat the the triple Whopper at Burger King because it's bad for my heart and I'm not going to pursue an unhealthy lifestyle. doesn't mean I'm turning away from sin. (laughs) To, To not sin is to not turn away from God. It's to not turn away from God's calling and God's created order and God's um, calling. You know, when we turn our backs on God intentionally or unintentionally, actually, in certain situations, um, then we are sinning because we are operating apart from God. That is sin. And so... And, you know, you you may have some better theological definitions, but it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. And I think um, what I've read is kind of similar to that. So let me know if you disagree. <laughs> but, and, uh, and we probably will or won't talk about it. But <laughs> um, the, the point being is that you have to have a, a benchmark, a framework upon which you make the decisions to sin or not to sin. If you don't have a benchmark upon which to say, I don't want to sin because it's against the law of God. If you don't have that benchmark and you just are making decisions against the law of yourself, well then, who cares? You can do whatever you want. Man, grab those cats, throw them in the bag, drown them in the river. Who cares? What does it matter? According to you, nothing matters. According to you, you have no framework. So, there's no such thing as sin. There's just cause and effect actions and reactions, I guess. Um, If you drown the cats in the river, they will be dead. And you don't have to buy them cat food anymore, I guess. But who cares? I mean, you're shaping your own reality and makes you happy to not have to buy more cat food because you have more room in your budget so what's the big deal they're just cats after all hmm then you have to ask yourself well then why is there a moral framework for the SPCA and for the court system to punish people who are mean to animals well it's because there's a framework of right and wrong and oh by the way that only comes from knowing a just And holy God, ah, the circular argumentation of it all. Okay, so why do I go on that rabbit trail? Well, because um, we kind of need to have a little bit of a humility about the messiness of the body of Christ, I think. And to realize that in all of her brokenness, the church is a beautiful thing. The church 
are the people of God. They're God's people. They're his children. And they're assembled to do his work for his kingdom. So who are the people of God? Those who have him as the Lord of their life. Those whom he had written in the Lamb's book of life before time even began. So he, he knows. He knows you. He's always known you. You know, we're, we're, we're a temporal being trapped in a temporal framework. But our creator is outside of that. So don't you think that he knows the mess and he's always known the mess? <laughs> don't you think he kind of knew it was going to be messy? And don't you think he knew that when his son sacrificed his life as a, the only blood sacrifice that could unite humanity, reunite humanity with its creator, don't you think he knew what was going on and what he was doing? And don't you think that he thought it was worth it and that he thought you were worth it and that I was worth it as pathetic as my toe-stubbing, non-cereal-choosing, cussing mouth turned out to be? And thank God for his Holy Spirit, which convicted me to stop cussing about cereal and my doggone black and blue toe. Thank the Lord that he's given me the gift of faith and the gift of spiritual discernment to say, man, maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't be so quick to curse. And you know, I curse way too much. Okay, I'm confessing to the whole of the podcast world. The curse words that come out, come out of my mouth are not goodness. I uh, admit that and I repent before all of you that that is not something that should be part of my or any believer's lives. Okay. Well. Dang it. <laughs> is that a curse word? You know, it's funny. When I started working in South Africa. So, in the U.S., the word C-R-A-P is not a curse word. It's something that, you know, seven-year-olds use to describe number two. You know, the... P-O-O-P-O-O instead of using another four letter word which you learn in middle school which uh, begins with and ends with something else Um, but when I went to South Africa I kept hearing all these people saying the sh word with the something else on the end and they kept saying it I was like wow they're kind of foul mouthed here and then uh And then one time I'm in a meeting and I break out the C-R-A-P word and everybody goes, and I said, what? He said, dude, you can't say that, man. That's a, that's a curse word. I was like, what? (laughs) What's wrong with you people? You're sitting around here saying the S-H word all day long. And I break in with a little C-R-A-P and you tell me I'm the one cursing. Goodness gracious. But here's the deal. It's not about the words themselves. Honestly, it's it's about the intention. It, it's about the heart. It's about what the curse word is saying about what's spilling out from your heart, right? So, um, anyways, that 
all being said, when we see the C-R-A-P or the sh word um, in the church, and it sometimes makes us want to cuss because we're super frustrated, well, let's, let's just have some humility and realize that we're all part of that. So we too are in the muck and the mire, and but by the blood of Jesus, we'd all be there. And we'd be sitting in that stew of P-O-O-P-O-O for eternity. So let's be thankful, right? And um, maybe rest our pessimism, check our pessimism in at the door a little bit on our way in. And uh, give some grace to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because, you know, we're going to be spending eternity with these folks. And um, thankfully, when we're all there, we're going to be singing holy, holy, holy the whole time. And not worried about... You know, whether or not Mrs. Johnson was very good at the accounting at the church and whether or not Bill Bob was, Billy Bob was super frustrating because he was always late to meetings and, you know, whether or not, you know, Mrs. Whoever wouldn't stop gossiping about Mrs. Whoever and whether or not Mr. Whoever was Mr. Grumpy Pants all the time and, you know, that's not even going to feature. That's not even going to feature. And, uh, and, I just wonder why we spend so much time f- focusing on it right now. <laughs> like, can we have a little bit of grace here? Uh, yeah, we're all covered in the POO, POO, let's be honest. Um, so, anyhow, so I have to share with y'all now that I've kind of spilled my thoughts about having some grace for those in the church. Um, I just want to share, uh, there was a dream that I had and I just thought I'd share it because man, sometimes it's just things really grip you and maybe it's just my psyche, uh, pulling up some things that are on my heart. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit, uh, placing, placing some thoughts in my world and uh, convicting my heart on, on things. And I tend to go with the second one because there's just something about waking up to those super meaningful dreams which don't happen very often but when they do they're so powerful and you just can't you can't forget it and it's not just because your memory is sharp or that you know scientifically you woke up during a certain type of brain wave during your dream and so it's vivid it's not about that it's it's about the meaning and the what the Lord is convicting us of, and, and and you know when you can sit there and have a dream, and and then you spend zero point two microseconds thinking about it, and you know you know what the Lord was showing you, it's not really a mystery, and um, it also can't really be dismissed as something trivial, um, because we don't believe in triviality. You know, when we're walking with the Lord, we believe in an Almighty, all-powerful God who works in, you know, body, spirit, and soul. So we're not, we're not confused about the triteness or the lack thereof when it comes to things like dreams. So we, we, we give them value when they have value. And then there are some dreams where you're just dreaming about winning the big soccer match. And, uh, to a friend out there who was busy, uh, winning a soccer match and ended up kicking the side of a dresser and, uh, s- splitting open some veins in the foot and having to get them sewed up and cleaning mattresses because they were soaked in blood. I just, I'm just, 
you know who you are, and uh, I'm glad you're letting me make fun of you in front of everybody, but luckily they don't know exactly who you are. Um, I'm talking about real dreams, and so I had one that uh, honestly woke me up in tears, and I'm just thankful for things like that, because I think one of the hardest parts of the work we do is you get a little bit jaded, you get a little bit hard around the edges, you know, um, sometimes you feel like your heart's maybe a little bit stony and needs to be softened and returned to that first love that the Lord gave you for the mission, so I think that's what was happening in this dream, so anyways, I'll get into it, so in this dream, I see, I'm in a room, and there's a lady who's kind of a mother type figure, and then there's a younger lady who's obviously her daughter. That lady appeared, the daughter appears to be kind of late teens, coming up about 20 years old. And there's the mother there. And then it's myself and my wife. And I realize that what's going on in the dream is they're handing over this child to us. And so. As you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Africa, and I have a real heart for the African people of, of all sizes, shapes, colors, whatever. And I haven't spent as much time in the States until lately. Um, of course, I grew up in the States and grew up down by the Mexican border in a very Hispanic culture. And um, But I haven't really been there and, and lived in that life really since I was younger. So just so you understand, kind of my heart is for Africa and my heart is for a lot of the the people that we've done work with um, in different parts of the states, but not really down in the border areas where I grew up. Well, um, in this dream, that mother lady and the, the daughter and this baby are all Hispanic. And it's very important that that point was made to me. I mean, it was very clear. Like I was recognizing that every, everybody in there is, is Hispanic and, and I, and I had a crushing feeling that those ladies were outcasts. They were on the outside. They were marginalized, although that word is overused these days. But they were living on the fringes of society. You could tell that. Um, they weren't wanted. They weren't loved. Like These are all the things that I'm experiencing in the dream. Um, and in, the, in that dream, what happens is that the young lady, she hands me the baby. And I take the baby in my arms. And I know that we are, my wife and I are adopting this baby. Okay, and I, and just so you know, um, in reality, that's probably not going to happen. We're not really in a position to adopt anybody right now, but, um, so the, the adoption to me is meaning more than just physically adopting, but it's actually, I'm understanding it as a full spiritual adoption, kind of in the way that we're adopted into the body of Christ, 
you know, we were all grafted in. And so, anyway, so I take this baby in my arms and I look at this baby and it's just this little girl, you know, she's little. She's probably, I'd say, nine months to a year old. Um, maybe a little older, maybe 14, 16 months, something like that. E- enough to where she had hair and she had pigtails in. So I guess she'd have to be a little bit older, like, yeah, maybe a year, year and a half. And and I know this might sound weird, but it's just, it's, it's what I was experiencing in the, in the dream. When I looked at the baby, I expected her to be extremely cute. Um... But she wasn't necessarily. She 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 just was very plain, like in like non non-distinguishable in, in in cuteness. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, just some people are super cute, some little, you know, girls and boys are super cute, and uh, all you want to do is squeeze their cheeks, and then there's just other people that are just kinda they're just there, you know. I mean you don't there's nothing that really sticks out about them, whatever. It's just in humanity, we, we recognize these things or we don't. So I expected to see super duper cuteness, but she wasn't cute. She was plain. There was nothing magnificent about her. She just was. And as I looked at her, my heart just melted for her. And there was nothing, nothing in looking at her that would necessitate that my heart was so burdened for her other than I just knew that she needed me. And I, I just knew that the adoption was, was necessary. Um, so I'm kind of experiencing these emotions as I, as I look at her. And then I look up at the young lady. And the mother is kind of on the other side of the room, kind of talking to my wife. And, and then the young lady, the, the mother of the child, the late teens, early 20s girl, she, she comes up and she looks at me. And I look right in her eyes and I see that she is dealing probably with some kind of drug addiction. Her eyes are glassy and not because she's crying, but because she's desperate. She's struggling. And she knows that she can't raise this child. She, she, she doesn't know what to do. She has no control over what's happening in her life, in this baby's life. So she's comfortable in this situation but she's not comfortable with who she is. And she, she's just, yeah, she's just having a hard time. And she looks at me and she says very clearly, very, very clearly, she says, I'm only 20, but I did not kill my child. That's what she said to me. I'm only 20, but I did not kill my child. I was like, I just kind of, wow, you know, I just took a deep breath. And then the look on her face changed a little bit and it went from desperation to assurance. 
And she just kind of looked at me and just kind of nodded. She just nodded at me. With kind of a slight grin. You know, not a smile, but just... And, 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 or, or not a, not a full-blown grin, but like a, just a small smile. Just a little bit where the tips of the, you know, the tips of the mouth curve up just a little bit. But she was sad, obviously, to be walking away from her daughter. But she knew that I had to adopt the, the girl. And, and as she handed the baby, or she had already handed the baby to me, but she like turned and started to walk away. And she and the mom kind of put their arms around each other and walked out the door. My wife was looking over at me. And, and then I looked back at the baby and my my heart was just broken and and I took my the um and anybody who's a parent out there kind of knows knows what I'm talking about here um I took my pinky finger and I I bent it so that it it was kind of like a shaping just the knuckle and a lot of times you know people will do that where they take the knuckle and then they they give it to the baby and the baby suckles on the knuckle um you know usually when a baby's hungry or something, you'll do this just until mommy's ready or the bottle's ready or whatever. So the baby starts crying and I do what I've always done with, with my kids is I take my knuckle and I offer it and, the, and then the baby starts suckling on my knuckle and is suddenly very calm. And I just, my, my heart knew that this is what I was supposed to know is is it our hearts have to break for what breaks his heart and so that if we're walking with the Lord we have to know what he knows and the pain that he knows in his love for his children in the love he has for creation and that when the order is broken and there's no hope that there's always adoption in Christ Jesus there's always adoption into his body into his family and it's an undeserved unwarranted adoption and he adopts us in even though we're unremarkable we're not worthy of the adoption and yet he offers us his, his knuckle <laughs> and he gives us that calm, that peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what he promises us. He doesn't promise us that it's going to be easy after adoption. He doesn't promise us that everything is going to be smooth. He doesn't promise us that we're ever going to be reunited with loved ones that we've lost in our lives when relationships fell apart or drug addictions came into play, or any of those things. But he does promise us that when we're adopted into his body, that we do have a new family. And that new family doesn't have conditions on membership, as in there aren't certain types of people that get to participate. We're united across cultural and you know racial and national and geographic boundaries by the unification at the we're unified at the cross at the foot of the cross at the blood of Jesus and in that we're content 
And so, in today's discussion, I just kind of wanted to highlight that the jaded, negative, harsh view that we have about the shortcomings of the body of Christ, as I came out of that dream, I just don't find that consistent in the character of God, with the character of God. I don't find it consistent with the sacrifice of Christ Jesus and the love that he has for us. So if we really are walking with the Lord and carrying our cross and being little Christs to the world, then maybe instead of imaging pessimism and frustration, we can be imaging unconditional adoption and love that comes with grace. Because if, if we didn't have his grace so that we could have faith in him, then we're kind of hypocrites. You know, we're the, we're the people who, you know, are forgiven a huge debt and then go out and strangle the guy that owes us a couple bucks. Well, the Lord tells us that if we're those people, then we're going to knock on the door and we're going to claim his name and he's going to say, I never knew you. That's what's going to happen. So I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The scariest thought that I personally have in my entire life is exactly that, that I would knock on the door thinking I did all these things in his name for him to only look at me and say, but I never knew you. Now, I know intellectually that that won't be the case, especially since I'm actually burdened by that. (laughs) I think if that does happen to you, it's because you're blind to that, and so you're on a different page. But um, at the same time, though, it makes me sad at the thought of that, and it makes me actually terrified that such a situation exists. So, anywho, just a little bit of pontificating today, I guess, but I, I'm just, I'm just so thankful for all of y'all. <laughs> I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm thankful for a savior who would humble himself as the lowliest of the low and undo Satan's, you know, kingdom by coming as a baby living a sinless life, dying a sinless death, and resurrecting so that we might be reunited with the Father. I just, I can't tell you how thankful I am about that. And if we as a church are thankful about such a gift and such a glory, then let's image that to the world because we are the unremarkable baby in the outcast population of of this world. But he loves us. He he definitely loves us more more than than we'll ever know, that's for sure. 
because we're not capable of his infinite love. That's, that's for dang sure. Oops, there I go with my curse words again. <laughs> I'm sure in some country, dang is, is off limits. So I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, I repent of the D-A-N-G word. <laughs> All right. Well, you've heard enough of my voice for one day. So um, thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks a lot for just letting me share my heart a little bit with you. Um, yeah, I'm a big fat crybaby. And when I woke up from that dream, I was like, what on earth? I'm such a crybaby. Oh, I need to go get some man testosterone. Stop crying. <laughs> no, but hey. Y'all have a good one. And uh, yeah, as always, don't forget us at Save Them, SaveThem.org, as we continue to fight this fight. If you know anybody that needs help, um, or you've got any leads or just anything that you, you think would be encouraging to pass our way, uh, please keep us in your, in your prayers. Uh, we need it. Uh, we've got a lot going on, and um, we're, we're stretched pretty thin. So keep our teams in your prayers. Uh, we need a lot of top cover. So if you're, if you're a prayer warrior, we, we, we need some air cover guys. Um, we're, we're, yeah, we're way out there. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. And, uh, y'all have a great day and week ahead. And this is Landon and I'm out. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Save Them Podcast. As always, you can find us at savethem.org. See you next time. Thank you and donkey.